fresh indeed will be the Marlins bullpen after a pretty upsetting three-game sweep. I think this is the only team besides the Braves to sweep the Marlins this season, although both times they've been swept are two of the top three teams in Major League Baseball. We're going to cover it all here. Welcome to State of the Fish, the, the weekly Marlins show. The premier Marlins space here. We've got Eli on our new Marlins space account. Make sure to follow. That way you will get uh, notifications anytime we go live. We will be planning on doing more than just State of the Fish. Um, from the space account as rumor mill heats up and as the games get more important throughout the year is tomorrow to make a hopeful postseason push. We've got Kevin here as well. Of course, myself, we have some fish on first members in the, in the listeners category as well. Um, we'll, we'll be cycling in people. And of course the main event, we will get to your questions. I'm kind of focusing more on getting your guys' questions for this particular space. There's not much to cover since we just talked on Thursday, covered every topic between the break first half awards um we did deadline talk the previous week so only one series to recap but the Marlins not won since the all-star break three game sweep by the baltimore orioles a one run loss today but can you really call it that um as all the Marlins runs came in the ninth inning but some encouraging stuff for sure to say the least um some decent showings from the bullpen um and of course I think the main headline today, Johnny Cueto is back, and he threw three scoreless innings. One of the more shocking things that I think that's happened as of late with the Marlins, um, pretty funny stuff, honestly, if you ask me, but it was low leverage. I'll be intrigued to see what he can do throughout the week as the Marlins have um, St. Louis and Detroit coming up, or Colorado. Who's this weekend? I forget, because it's one of the two. Yeah, it's St. Louis these next Three games, and then it's Colorado Friday to Sunday. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, then, then there's Tampa Bay, then it's Detroit. I was thinking Detroit was next week because of the Miguel Cabrera stuff, which got broken in our last spaces, if you recall. We had Danny Alvarez in here uh, from Electra Base, and he he, uh, he announced that there would be uh, a Miguel Cabrera weekend. So that's two weeks for Venezuela um, Heritage weekend at the, at the ballpark but focusing on now and, and what has just transpired one thing that i've been in some discussion with 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 people on twitter um and we're going to get into it more i'm sure with the deadline looming and I, we blocked out some time to talk about it is miami's offense and i think they they need an, another bat in this lineup if they really want to go make a run at this thing and as we saw this weekend um low scoring affair friday yesterday a pretty good offensive game, and outside of the ninth inning today, uh, the bats were ice, ice, ice cold. So, I think some of the offensive flaws are still showing for Miami. But it was nice today to see some guys pick up the slack when Arise went over five. But ultimately, um, I believe that is still a need. But we'll, we'll go to Kevin and Eli here for the Orioles series. I mean, not much to take away from it other than Miami kind of got their ass whooped by a better team. Yeah, I think you said it right. And, you know, that middle game was really tough to watch because Miami did have a 4-0 lead, but, you know, things happen and Baltimore gets the better end of you. And, you know, this is arguably one of the best teams in Major League Baseball. So, not surprised Baltimore took all three. I think all some of us expect maybe that Sandy start to go in Miami's favor, but that didn't happen. And, you know, I, I do want to start with Sandy because for the most part, he was, he was pretty good. And, um... And he had a quality start, and I know some of us disagree with that, but for the most part, he was 
pretty good. I mean, not you know, you just missed some pitches that obviously Adam Frazier and Cedric Mullins took deep, and aside from that, they looked he looked pretty good. But Dean Kremer, on the other hand, looked really damn good, and I think he outdueled Sandy in that game, and the offense just wasn't able to get it going. I think, you know, this is not the loose arise multi-hit game. You go to game two, Braxton, he looked all right. Uh, he gave up the three runs there. And after that, I mean, the bullpen kind of messed it up for you. And then today, I mean, Kyle Bradish carved up the Marlins lineup. There's no other way to put it. And, you know, the bullpen, I think Baltimore really put their the guys they don't use too much at the end. And that's kind of what helped Miami score those, I, I believe those five runs. Or four, I'm sorry, to um, make it a one-run game. But yeah, tough series. Miami, thankfully, at St. Louis, they could kind of make up for some of the luck for for um, the three losses there. So big series ahead for Miami in terms of just you need wins. Right. This obviously felt different than the Braves series. The Braves series thing that two of those games were completely lopsided, and then even the third one was kind of out of reach. In this one. Uh, you felt like they should have won at least one of those games. You felt like they should have won on Saturday. Saturday is when they ran into the vulnerable starter, Kyle Gibson. They put a bunch of balls in play. They got a little good luck. They built up a pretty big lead. And there were a few things in that one that I think you could poke holes at. One, of course, Braxton Garrett being very shaky. Not only did, you know, the mediocre results, but there were a bunch of balls in that Braxton start that like really sharp line drives and grounders that just missed being fair. I, I don't can't remember another start where I've seen that where it was like five or six that could have been extra base hits that just missed staying in play. So he really was off his game in that outing, unfortunately. And even so, though, you know, they were pretty close to holding down the Orioles in those early innings, if not for that Dane Myers misplay that played a what should have been the third out of an inning into a two run triple. That was absolutely brutal. Um, and unfortunately to be expected because they don't have any other option in center field that you really like. They're playing Dane Myers every day because he's raking. And the only position that's like really open is center field. Uh, so even though they got good, more good hitting from Dane in the series, that's where his inexperience showed up. And that hurt a lot. Even so they had the lead going to the later innings and Huascar Brazavan laid an egg. That was one of his worst outings as a Marlin where he was actually able to throw the ball over the plate, but it was still getting hammered like four straight really hard hit balls against him. One uh, game tying home run. And then the couple hits after that, that put the Orioles ahead for good. That was disappointing because he'd been pitching pretty well over the previous month prior to that. But I think you can, you know, that that was kind of a whole series where there were a little decisions by skip that I thought were kind of uncharacteristic. The idea that they just went into Sunday with a bullpen day, and that was the plan. The plan was just to like let their bullpen pitch instead of coming out of a break and obviously having all your starters fully rested. That was an interesting decision that did not work out well. That backfired immediately because Okert was starting a game, something he had never done in his major league career. Um, and I think he had to not just second guess that, but first guess that really weird decision that he made there. And aside from that, you know, these were these were close games that could have gone either way, and you know you just you're used to them pulling out these games. This is one of the only times this year where I can remember them losing back to back games both by one run margins. That it's it's just really unusual to see a Marlins team like this, and it all you need to put it in the context that this is one of the best teams that they've played all year. 
outside of the Braves, this is a team that I think everybody agrees is a tier better than the Marlins, a more complete and more talented team. And uh, that's kind of what made the difference. Ultimately, you can poke to a lot of different things, but there's just so much talent on this Orioles roster that it was always going to be tough to win the series. I think that there's just one regret is that they didn't steal that middle game and make it a more competitive series. And I think this series really showed that Miami not only needs a, another reliever and preferably a righty, as you mentioned today on one of your articles, Eli, but they need a starter. You can't have a bullpen day every fifth day. And I know Edward Cabrera is coming back, but I'm not very confident Edwards right now give you six innings of work at a consistent rate, you know, because he's had his troubles. He's walked a lot of guys and he's gotten hit hard at times, but you kind of hope they do acquire a five starter, you know, and we, we will have articles on those guys, but we'll probably talk about some of them even tonight and next week. So um, just, I, I think not only that, and I know Grant said it, I think you would love another big bat, but right now I think you need a pitcher and a reliever to add into this team because it's necessary. I mean, we saw it. I don't think you want to have a bullpen every fifth day going out there and, working it up and you need fresh arms. I think that's the biggest thing too. Andrew Nardi went down right before the all-star break and you're bound to lose more guys if they keep working them the way that they've been this whole year. Uh, that's probably a good segue. And like Kevin said, agree that starter and reliever, I think are probably the team's two biggest teams, but there's been four things that I've, that's been on my wish list pretty much for the last three, four weeks. I've said the Marlins really need I'm going to touch on it in a series of articles I'm going to have coming out this week. First one will probably be up maybe like tomorrow morning, sometime tomorrow, Tuesday, I don't know. But it's written. It's ready. Um, I'm going to break down the tiers of options for the Marlins, whether it be realistic, possibility, pipe dream, or it's just not happening. We're going to start with the realistic ones. And so uh, be on the lookout for that. But like Kevin said, starter, reliever, preferably right-handed for both. I mean, I guess the starter can do whatever, but – we want another variety out of the, of the bullpen, 100%. I would love a good middle of the order bat. And um, a catcher, I think, is, is something that need, needs to be acquired as well. At, at some point, Songs isn't going to be on this roster in 2024. Why not get a, an early head start on that? So plenty of options. And uh, you know what? I guess it's a good time to announce it next week when we do the space. Uh, we will have a guest, like I said last basis it's going to be craig mish so he will be uh taking all of your questions will probably dedicate most of the space to that so um as the rumor mill heats up through the next week uh get ready uh write down your questions um, keep your eyes peeled on, on all that stuff so it should be fun so i guess you, you guys want to talk about the deadline but any last parting thoughts of the Orioles series actually i have one idea let's all say one nice thing about johnny cueto yeah i i need to eat a little crow on that i suspected this would happen i knew if i went out on a limb and said he didn't belong in the majors that he would throw up some zeros um the one surprise the surprise was the velocity being up he had not thrown a single pitch above 92 during any of his rehab starts not a single one and then in this start he basically averages right around 93 on his fastball. So that was a key difference. I have a theory as to why that happened. I think that happened because instead of being stretched out as a starter, he was able to kind of air it out a little bit coming out of the pen, coming out of the pen in the fifth inning, just knowing that his workload is only going to be at most about half as much as a typical start. And so that made a difference. And that yeah, that's an important 
a difference that perhaps, you know, allows him to be a slightly different pitcher than the one that we saw struggling during rehab. I always believe that he could still throw the ball over the plate the way he wanted to. Um, but what we saw in this game also is that with one exception, he got one swinging strike in three innings and every other ball guys made contact with it. So there was a lot of balls put into play and I still have a lot of pessimism about what it's going to look like moving forward. But this was about everything you could have hoped for from his first outing that he ate some valuable innings and he put them in a better position to compete during their next series. Noah requested. Noah, Noah you have something nice to say about Johnny Cueto? Uh, not just Johnny Cueto, but specifically Tanner Scott. I've never seen him throw 100 miles an hour before, and he did it twice today and was pretty much hovering around 99. And if he can do that the rest of the season and, and, and command it, oh boy. Johnny, Johnny Cueto, oh my god. Like, not, okay, let's put this into context. Not in a single rehab start, he did this. He gave up multiple homers in almost all his rehab starts. He, he, he did not throw up zeros at all. I think the most strikeouts he had in a rehab start, I believe, was two or, it was maybe three or four. So for him to do this, it's pretty impressive. And what Eli said, I, I think he was like, you know, realistically, he was basically fucking with us because his velo was up on every single pitch. And he was averaging 93 around there. And, oh, my God, look, it's nice to see Johnny Cueto have success. I thought, I think we were all expecting what he did in double-A offensive call, I believe, like in the second start, we gave up like three homers. But it's nice to see him put up all zeros in a meaningless game at that point. But, yeah, I, I don't think there's much more to say on Cueto. Hopefully, they continue to use him correctly. And I guess he won't pitch for a couple days. He went a couple in, three innings and. I think he worked a pretty high pitch count, if I'm correct. So, uh, I, what, like one of the things I want to just quickly say about Cueto is I noticed in the first inning he was of work, he was really messing around with his timing and his delivery, and as he normally does, but within the pitch clock limitations, and that was really setting hitters off balance. So I think if he can do that, that can really help him. And that was really funny to watch him mess with the guy's timing. I'm. Um, I... I'm tempering expectations. Um, like Eli said, the guy's, ramping up. the guy's ramping up because he's coming in later in the game. He's throwing as hard as he possibly can, and that's 93 miles an hour. If he's messing with timing, as, as, as Noah said, I watched a little bit of the game. I did not watch all of it, admittedly. Um, if he's continuing to mess with timing, that's definitely to his advantage. But that's something he's always done. It's the guy who's ramping up for a reason, and it's because he knows he's coming into the game later on. He doesn't have to really you know, withstand his velocity later on. I think it was very smart by the Marlins to not make him a starter and make him a guy out of the bullpen. That is a literally the only role that he has on this team. He's not a starter anymore. The Marlins know that, which at least that's good. Um, but I'm tempering expectations because this guy was still very near the strike zone uh, with 93 miles an hour. And, you know, as, as, as hitters get reacclimated to him starting to and trying to mess with timing, I think there's going to be there's going to be more contact against him. So it was good today. Uh, will it be good in the future? I I would I would temper expectations for that. And Noah, you should know better than to talk good about Tanner Scott because you know what happens when that happens, bro. No, I'm just kidding. But you're right. Tanner <laughs> Scott's been really good. But but yeah, um, two pitch guy, really one pitch guy. Sliders is really his only pitch. And then of course now with better velocity on the fastball, that guy's been really good. So um, but yeah, as long as Noah doesn't talk good about Tanner Scott too much, he should be fine.
Well, speaking of you talking about, you know, guys' favorite players and stuff, one of your favorite players is having a really nice stretch as of now that has been brought to my attention by uh, Mr. Baral over here. Jeet Segura has been playing excellent, excellent, excellent baseball as of late over there at the hot corner. Mr. Alex, what are your thoughts on uh, on your buddy Gene um, kind of getting it together here in an important part of the season? Come on, Carver. I have, I have no comments uh, on, on this. Um, yes, it's been a good, what, five games for him? Six games? What do you mean? Since June 12th, this guy's hitting whatever. Whatever, whatever. He's hitting 341 in July, Alex. Whatever. I, I have I have no other comment on, on Gene Segura. Yes, he's having a decent stretch. I can give him that. But I I, I, I honestly don't don't see – you guys really think that this guy can go into the playoffs and play meaningful games and, 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 and put up numbers? He, he did it just yeah. last year. He did it just last year. Okay, but how much different has he done from last year this year, Grant? He's in a hot stretch right now. You know, he probably just sure. had to adjust those first few months. Okay, he's in a hot stretch. That doesn't mean it's going to continue. I- I'm glad he's on a hot stretch. I don't ever hope that a player is going to fail. But this player has shown, this year, has shown a lot more failure than good. And I can't get past that right now. If he continues this for another two weeks, maybe you will sway my opinion. So but he's been right doing now. it for a month, but you need to see two more. No, so listen, listen, listen. He's, you guys are both, I guess, fair. But he is not going to be the 2014 self that he was. He's not. And Carver is right. There has been more negative with this player. But, you know, his last 80 or so plate appearances, which I think is a big enough sample. He's hitting above 300. He's OPSing well above the team average. And I do think he's striking. He is striking out at less than fifteen percent on the year, not just in the last eighty games on the year, which is very impressive. Well, not impressive for him, but that's the kind of player he is, and that's what they signed him for. And if he can, you know, sort of be what he's been in the last eighty at bats for the rest of the year, which I don't see why not, that is a huge upgrade to this team for the second half because they went the whole first half with zeros Gene Segura. They had nothing. They did not have Gene Segura. But if they go with this type of Gene Segura, which is fine, not him at a hundred percent like his prime. But they go with this type of Gene Segura, that's a massive upgrade to the lineup. And I don't think you can argue with that. All right. Well, we won't harp on it too much longer here since we want to get the questions soon. But trade deadline talk, we'll talk about it. Not much has changed since the last that we talked um, other than actually really nothing. We talked about how the Cardinals were uh, game sellers some rumors over the weekend about a particular catcher, which I want to put out there. It's not happening. And if it does, build missing a statue. But, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll kind of go open discussion here. Two weeks out, Marlins have some clear needs. What are your guys' thoughts on just positioning, period? Any grievances you want to air out about Marlins' plan of attack at this deadline, what other teams are doing? The floor is yours. Uh, I think the one... One thing that they have to do, I want to keep it as simple as possible. They do have to add pitching from outside this organization, especially now seeing it play out a little bit in terms of what's going on with Yuri. The fact that he hasn't, he's not even pitching in minor league games um, and is not scheduled to do so for, you know, the coming days as well. Between that, between Trevor Rogers still not throwing, and then between what I touched on in an article today about the bullpen and the fact that when it comes to the right-handed options in this bullpen, uh, there's really not anybody that I love in with the game on the line in that regard. So to keep it as simple as possible, um, they do have to add more experienced major league pitching at this deadline one way or the other. 
and they they'll have to like use some of their farm system, I think, to get that pitching. Um, well, on the hitting side, it's just it's a lot more. Um, it's a very vague situation. It's a tricky situation on the hitting side because they have a lot of hitters, but a lot of these guys are not quite as good as you would want outside of the guys at the very top of the food chain with Arise and Solaire. So there's so many things that they could do, but then the question is exactly how they squeeze those guys onto the roster because there's only so many hitters that you can have on the roster at one time. Um, but I'm sure other guys will touch on that. I just, in my opinion, I, I, do, I do think pitching is where it starts, even though the the, the hitting has kind of been the storyline for much of this year, where I think it's pretty clear that is below average and that is holding the team back. The one place where it really is easy for this team to get better is on, on the pitching side, whether that is with a starting pitcher. And in my opinion, a starter is a lot more impactful than any relief arm could be. So that'd be my very top priority at this point is, is adding another starting pitcher. The fact that they're coming out of the break and three games into the second half of the season, they're doing a bullpen game. I think that just says everything you need to know about that current void they have on the roster. All right. Would you, so after that, Eli, I think number two, and it's like probably one B it's catcher, right? They, you know, Fortes has been, you know, says they need to step back this year that I do think that they can't win with what they currently have a catcher. Well, it's a weakness. It, it is a weakness. I don't know if it's mandatory to address. You know, if you don't address it, then you need to accept that it's a big limitation on the team. And I think really, the, the only way to hedge it kind of is be even more aggressive when it comes to pinch hitters. It, the, it has been so disappointing for Tez offensively. Defensively, you could say he's been kind of what you wanted. Um, but I, I think it, we're at this stage of the year where the, the numbers are the numbers, and he is hitting on the same level that Stallings is. And, well, and both of them are hitting at what is a very porous level, even relative to other catchers. Um there's other complication with that where these guys have to, if you acquire another catcher, they have to learn these pitchers on the fly during the middle of the year. And that's a lot easier said than done to learn those guys' tendencies and um, to, to make that work and make sure there's no value lost on that side of the ball. I, I'd certainly be open to doing so. Um, there's just not a whole lot of guys that are available on the catching side. And, you know, some of the ones that are, um, some of the most popular names are ones that actually have not been hitting well themselves recently. Like Elias Diaz is a guy that I had circled for like two months now as a guy that would make so much sense for this team, both this year and next year. But you look at his last month and a half ever since he last played the Marlins coincidentally, and he's not hitting any better than their current catchers are. And so are you going to make that big trade just to have a guy that can throw out base dealers? Is that really worth it? What it's going to cost to acquire him right now? Um, that's kind of the the push and pull that they have to go through in these negotiations. So I, I'd welcome an addition, but when you really go through the options, there's not a whole lot of catchers out there that you can really count on moving the needle that much. As as poor as that as weird as that sounds, because catching has been such a big weakness. I think yeah, to me, it starts on the pitching side, and there's really no way to let this deadline go by without doing something on the pitching side with the other positions. You need to look into every possibility and turn over every stone. And you can't let, um, in some situations, I, I think even rentals on the position player side, you need to be willing to make that move if it is going to be somebody that definitely fits in. But 
as we get closer, it really is harder for me to pinpoint hitters that I think fit seamlessly into this team and or be actually realistically available. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And that's what I wanted to get to because I don't think catcher's the second biggest thing. I would say it's starting pitching. You need to start. I mean, you have guys going down left and right. Trev is still not even throwing. Edward, who knows how how good he will be when he comes back or how consistent. Johnny Quayle probably will make another start for this team, and you can't go with a bullpen game every fifth day. I think they should bring in, and I'll, and I'll throw out names because I know we've spoken about it. I would love someone like a Jordan Montgomery who, who eats innings. I know we, we spoke today a little bit about Marcus Stroman. He's a bit he's a bit on the luckier end when it comes to how he pitches because the stats, he's a pretty lucky pitcher. And I know so I know Lewis has mentioned Giolito as an option. Lance Lynn, I think, was mentioned too. Those are all options why he could definitely bring in. I think starting pitching is probably the market that has the most options. I don't, there's no real good catcher on the market, to be honest with you. Yeah, and you guys are right Also, in the fact that starting pitching is uh, priority number one. And you think about the two guys that have been healthy, not including Sandy, is Luzardo and Braxton. They are throwing career-high innings, and you can't guarantee that they're going to be you know, as great as they've been the rest of the way either. You know, we already saw practice sort of have a little bit of a, of a stinker, I would, I would categorize it as. So, yeah, you, I totally agree. I just don't know where on the offensive side can you fix it because I agree with you on the fact that you can't get a catcher middle of the year. It'd probably do more harm than good. But what, third base, shortstop? No Wendell, no, I don't know. It's very tough. I don't envy Kim's position at all. So, Kevin kind of showed his hand here a little bit, but with this article that I've got coming out soon, we discussed this privately, uh, and we all agreed upon who is like actually a realistic option for the Marlins at this point. Let's go around the table. I want to hear everyone's favorite or realistic option for the Marlins, whether you think they're realistic or not. Every person's like top guy that they would like that seems like he's attainable with this deadline. We'll start with Eli, make our way across here. He might not be there. There he is. Uh, yeah. Well, I was this morning. I was laser focused on the reliever side. So I would say on the reliever side, my number one guy is Carlos Estevez of the Angels. But I don't want to go too far into him because he wanted number one realistic overall. And I, as I told you, I think a starter is going to have more of an impact than a reliever. Um, I'd love to find a way to get Lucas Giolito from the White Sox. And it's going to be expensive, and you have no chance of re-signing him. But I'm playing around with ideas of bundling Giolito with somebody else on that White Sox roster that's actually controllable beyond this year and make a pretty big blockbuster that way. Because I feel like somebody like Giolito, he goes a long way towards not locking up a playoff spot, but taking a huge step in that direction. As somebody that has the upside to also start playoff games once you get there, because that's going to, that's going to be another important factor, as, as Isaac touched on where your other guys in this rotation outside from Sandy, you don't know exactly where they're going to be physically by the end of the year anyway. So to get him, I think he just moves the needle so much from a rentals perspective. Um, and 
yeah, the complication is you're going to have to give up one of your very best prospects to get him alone. And for me, I wouldn't be willing, I'd be more comfortable doing that if there's like a second piece involved that is around beyond this year. So whether that's one of their relievers, um, Gregory Santos is a guy that I'm really focused on, but he's going to be pretty expensive on his own. Whether it's him, whether it's anybody on the position player side from the White Sox, that makes sense. Um, yeah, with the Marlins, it's if you're going to go for a rental and you're going, but it's going to be somebody that pricey. Um, I, I'd be so much more comfortable if there's a controllable piece attached to it. But you said number one, and you said realistic, and he is very realistically available, and he would fit in so well with what the Marlins need right now. All right, I'll go next year. I guess because on, on my screen, I, I'm second. Um, go off script here. We're talking about pitchers and stuff. I, I put this out there, and while he would probably cost a pretty penny for two months, and there's no shot of him being in Miami in 2024, I love what Cody Bellinger brings to the table. Uh, play center. Probably wouldn't play any of the quarter outfield positions in Miami, but he can. He's been playing first a lot for the Cubs, can DH, and of course is an elite bat. Had quite a series this weekend against uh, the Red Sox. Been amazing over the last month. Uh, his price keeps rising by the day. I think if you stick Cody Bellinger in the middle of the Marlins order, they become one of the most solidified lineups in baseball, which I don't think I would have said that at the beginning of the year. But uh, he just, again, he's on an expiring deal. There's a mutual option, in quotes, for 2024. But Eli pointed out to me yesterday, um, those rarely ever get accepted. So he would strictly be a rental for the Marlins. But uh was rumored to be in talks when the Dodgers and Marlins were talking last deadline um, about a Pablo Bellinger deal. Uh, Marlins negotiated with him this offseason. And, uh, you know, he could finally make his way to Miami before he goes and gets a multi-year deal this offseason. I have to piggyback on you with that one. Uh, during the offseason, obviously, there was some discussion, but I think he just slightly went past uh, Miami's price range. But I, I think I'm 100% with you. That is the number one. That's plan A for this team, I believe. Just defense, offense, it makes this team so much better. That's the guy they – oof. I wonder how what his price would be because you just mentioned it's a rental, it's a pure rental. I'm sure any team acquiring him knows that. So I'm just curious what kind of prospect capital it would cost to bring him away from Chicago. I've been playing around with that idea too of what it would cost. And like, I genuinely don't know. I've been looking at Cubs pages, what Cubs fans want, what other analysts are saying, but like I haven't really found an answer. Maybe we get that answer this week. Maybe we get it when Craig um, talks to us this time next week. But either way, whatever the price is. To have that bat in the four or five, six spot, wherever Miami puts them, like that, that would be, that would solidify the lineup, in my opinion. We'll go Alex Carver next. Who, who's your top guy? Well, Eli kind of said it. They need starting pitching, and there's there's nobody better right now than Montgomery. Uh, Jordan Montgomery is, is the guy that they have to get um 100 um this guy knows what it's like to be a winner he's been with winning organizations from the cardinals from the yankees he's been with winning teams he knows what it's like to be as part of a perennial playoff team um as part of that winning kind of culture this is a guy that they really really need um to to to, to just eat innings um so that they don't have to go with bullpen days and and maybe force one of their prospects that's not ready yet you know who knows if they trade monteverde who's one of their big trade pieces then who else is there? And they're, they're really right now in the minor league system is nobody else. So we talked about it on, on Fish on First Live about how there's you're, they're going to need to rely on guys from within. I do believe that they are still going to need to do that. 
And right now, it's crazy to say it, but right now I think there's more, more to rely on from the bullpen and maybe even positional side of things than there is from starting pitching because there's just not a lot um, with starting pitchers that are ready to contribute right now with the way that injuries have gone and everything else. There's just not a lot, and especially if you deal from that at the deadline for whatever they need or whatever they think they need. Um, and it is still a strength in, in some ways, but yeah, there's 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 going to be guys that they have to trade from from that kind of depth to get what they need. So if you do that, and you know, if you don't want to really, really, really push and challenge starting pitching right now, which is what they would need to do from within, it has to be a guy like uh, like Montgomery. Um, he's been great, been really good uh, this year. He has a, like a three point two ERA. Um, the whip looks one point two looks pretty good. Um, he's also playing in a in a hitter friendly uh, division um, in the Central. So no, this is this is definitely a guy that they need, a guy that they want. Um, you know, who knows if he comes back next year? Maybe it's a true rental. Maybe they bring him back. Who knows? Um, I think they could bring him back maybe on another one to two year deal if he does well. I think that would be sufficient um, to bridge the gap to the to the high uh, to the high quality prospects that they have. But um, that would be a guess. Um, but I wouldn't be against him coming back either. So I don't think it's a true rental. I think it's a guy that they could definitely bring back on a one to two year deal next season. Um, and this is a guy that could be really, really good for them. So yeah, it's a guy that knows how to win, and that's what they need right now. So Montgomery's the guy. Something that's going to affect their their strategy this trade deadline is just what are they going to do exactly with, with Yuri, right? Is he going to come back as a starter? Kim hinted at that maybe at a couple of times at the press conference at Lone Depot Park and on a radio show the other day. So if he comes in late August, do you, you know, sacrifice the prospect capital for Giolito or do you just focus on offense if that's the case? So I'm just curious because they must know what they're going to do with him. And then that's, as in that sense, then they would know what they're going to do at the deadline. So I, I think that's the whole thing that makes this justifiable for them. I think if he does come back, it's in a limited capacity, man, honestly. Um, I think it's more bullpen than starter. Um, they've taken it easy with this guy every step of the way versus challenging him to double A. That's the only thing they've, they've done to really push this player. But he showed everything that he needed to show that he was ready for double A. But they've never moved off of the innings limit. They've never moved off of the pitch limit per start. Um, so I, I would I would be very surprised if they uh, I mean when you get to the playoffs it's, it's all gloves are off and who knows what's going to happen but I, I would be surprised to see him back as a full go you know before that time frame maybe late September if they're staring the playoffs in the face and they need to play very very meaningful games and that's your best guy then yes maybe um, this is a starting pitcher long term we know that um, but yeah I mean with with how the the, the the quality of starting pitching depth has diminished uh, over the course of the last couple of months, Isaac, um, you know, without Yuri, who else is there? I mean, and, and there's, there's obviously, as we've talked about a big fall off um, and then the depth itself, especially if they trade away from some of it, which I guess we expect that they will. I would expect that they will um, even with guys that are hurt uh, or guys that are coming back from being hurt. Uh, Meyer Fulton, you can point to guys like that. And then you go down to fitter and Monteverde, like they're going to have to include at least some of these young pitching, to trade with a team like the Cardinals, to trade with a team like any one of these, you know, big time selling teams, they're going to have to trade from the depths of starting pitching. So, yeah, um, it, it's a tough go for starting pitching right now, which is why I see a guy like Montgomery. They could sign him for now and possibly bring him back next year. Would Monteverde be enough for Montgomery one for one? Does no, 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 doubt it. No, yeah. we get one. Yeah. Mm. All right, let's go Kevin now. We'll move along here. And by Harvard. the way, all three names so far are going to be in my article that will be coming out soon. These are who we 
suspect the Marlins could realistically go after. That that was uh, the theme here. Yeah, Carver took my guy. I was going to say Jordan Montgomery. I wrote an article on him. I'm, I really like what Miami could bring if they acquire Montgomery. And uh, Isaac was talking about price. I mean, you're, you're asking you know, to possibly get the most sought-out pitcher on the market, aside from maybe Giolito. I, in the article, wrote Yeedy and Carson Milbrandt as possible options going the other way to St. Louis. I think that's something that St. Louis really can't turn down. But I will go with another name, and I'll go Jamir Candelario, who I think was one of the first players we wrote about as, a, as an option. He plays third. He, I believe he's, yeah, he only plays third. And I think this is just kind of a way you can give Gene Segura some more time off, rest days if he needs it. He's playing well. He's arguably having, I think, one of his better seasons. And I think it's someone they could bring in, power, kind of 13 homers on the year. He's playing well. You really can't say that it's a bad option in this case. Mainly hits better against righties than the than lefties. So I like Montgomery a lot on the pitching end, but I really wouldn't hate bringing Jammer Candelario. I believe that's also a guy on a rental. So in that case, I, I would think Miami has some type of a shot to re-sign him, but it's unlikely. So I think this makes a lot of sense if you're trying to find a bat. And I know Candelario is definitely in Grant's article. He's one of the first names. We lost Isaac there, but he kind of showed his hand. He does like belly. I think he's got some pitchers in mind, too. We'll go Daniel, though, on who your favorite realistic option is. For uh, realistic trade targets, I'm going really realistic. I don't think the Marlins are – I don't think I – don't, I don't see him as someone getting Stroman and, and, and Giolito. I think that might be a little bit out of the price range. Uh, I'm going real, really realistic, something I can actually see the Marlins doing. Um, they do need starting pitching. You know, somebody mentioned the eight innings and to do it at somewhat uh, quality um, way. Um, I, I'm going to give you two guys because I think they're both realistically kind of like the same pitcher, both uh, rentals, both guys on teams that aren't really performing that well. Maybe except one of them, you could say. I'm going to go James Paxton and Michael Lorenzo. Um, Two guys having ERAs under four uh, can eat innings, having really good seasons on, um, I believe, one-year deals or ending on expired contracts as rentals. I think they can come in, um, eat innings, and really bolster a lineup that we don't need to have any more um, op- or they have to have any more openers or having you know these relief pitches play out there and really get started quality innings. This is what the Marlins have desperately needed. Um, someone could go in the back end and have a fifth, fourth hole in that rotation. I think James Paxton and Michael Lorenzen um, are two guys that could definitely fit that role. You look at Michael Lorenzen the other day, six and two-third innings um, against Seattle, uh, zero earned runs. He also had seven strikeouts. The only thing with him, walks maybe a little bit too much to, to like, but I think you can limit those. But I think Paxton and Lorenzen are two of the most realistic, realistic options that the Mormons might look at. Uh, at the deadline. Is Paxton really that realistic? Boston's in it. <laughs> I don't think they're going to Boston's been crazy recently. Really? I, I, That's why I they're said. in it. I like the they're thought. Really I, I, do. I, don't, I don't think they sell him. Lorenzo's very, he's gone pretty lucky. I, I think Lorenzo could definitely, I think they could definitely trade for that. I don't think he'd be that expensive compared to like Strowman or, or Giolito. It's the Marlins we're talking about. I don't think they want to bankrupt their future for a guy for three months. I did want to pass along an important update on Condelario. He left Friday's game with a bone bruise in his thumb, and he didn't play yesterday or today. So they haven't put him on the IL yet, but 
we, we will see. It's a day-by-day thing. The Nats play against tomorrow. I'll be fascinated to see if he's in the lineup. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a little dicey. You wouldn't think that that's going to keep him out beyond the trade deadline. That does impact things, though, if he's going to miss some time, if he's going to, you don't know exactly how how much time he's going to need to, you know, get his his timing back if it is an IL stint, but we will see. Candelario has missed a couple of days. I just wanted to pass that along for anybody that wasn't aware that he's dealing with a bone bruise in his thumb. This is good to know. Thank you. I didn't realize he had missed past two days, but I like Daniel's options. I, I, I have both those pitchers in my next year. I didn't write about him in this article. Paxton probably won't get traded if Boss keeps winning the way they are. They've been on fire this month. I think coming into the All-Star break, or coming out of it, rather, since that Marlins sweep, they had won like 9 out of 10. They've been going crazy recently. Um, and then Lorenzen, he's definitely attainable. I But like what Kevin said, his numbers have been great, and he's it's been suggested that he's gotten a little lucky. And of course, that All-Star nod was just because he plays for Detroit, but... I like where Daniels heads at, whereas it is realistic to think that those are the types of pitchers that the Marlins will get there. They aren't going to go for exactly an ace, but a good three, four, five guy. Those guys fall in that category. So we got Lewis to round this out unless Isaac comes back, and then we will get to the best part. Fan questions. Lewis, who's your guy this deadline? I think he has some technical issues. Yeah, I don't think he can hear us. His favorite realistic option is Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, I I just got the text. God. Yes, if anyone's talking. I don't know how that's going to happen considering he won't be back until August. But now, now you can hear us. Overtake the Diamondbacks, which it seems like they already have. You can hear us now. Okay. Well, he, he could hear I, me. I, I guess he heard John me. But Jones, if you guys want to hear. Um, what, what his answer would be. He has mentioned Jan Gomes many times. He is also in my article. Um, is one of the few catcher targets I like actually have in there. Give, I'll give him a minute. See, see if he's waiting. Lewis. Lewis. I guess he can only hear me when I'm talking. All right, we'll relay the, relay the, the question then. See if we can get anything from him. <laughs> I think we should just move on to the okay, audience questions. Okay, yeah. No, we, we got I'll, I'll, I, I can go really quickly on this um, just to, I guess, I don't want to speak for Lewis, of course, but, um, you know, um, I could just, just give some insight. I mean, local guy. Uh, he's from Miami, which is cool. Um, yeah, he's definitely better than the catchers that the Marlins currently have, but that's not hard to be, I guess, I would say, unfortunately. Um, so, but yeah, um, it's a guy who's, what, his contract expires at the end of the year. I think this would be true rental. Um, you know, maybe he comes back if the Marlins don't think they have anything else catcher-wise in the system, but I think they think that they do, and I think they do as well. Um, so, yeah, it would definitely be an upgrade of what they have right now um, with Stallings and Fortes. But it's also a guy who's only played 57 games this year, so you worry about durability. He's also 35 years old, so I worry about durability there as well. So I don't know if I would be too uh, too persistent to give up what the Cubs would probably ask for for a player like this, but it's not impossible. So, um, yeah, he would definitely be an upgrade 100%, even though he's only played so sparingly this year. But um, 
But yeah, I wouldn't be against it, um, depending on what they gave up. All right. Well, I guess that'll I'll cap it for us, unless we have any final departing thoughts. We'll get to the main event. We will get to fan questions. But, Lewis, he's here. Yes, I, I'm here. I can hear you Okay. Guys. Very, very briefly, give your top realistic trade target this deadline. Realistic? I think if you, depending on what you want to, you're willing to give up, Bellinger on a rental isn't a bad idea. I mean, you guys have already talked enough about him. The only concern I have beyond him not re-signing, which I don't think he will, you know, agree to a mutual option that the Cubs have in place with him if he were to come to Miami, because he's obviously going to, he's looking at like a, a deal better than like Carl, Kyle Schwarber's in the free agent market. Um, is the struggles that, and I'm surprised you guys didn't touch on it, he went through a period of about two years where he just didn't hit. And, like, you know, imagine you give up, you know, say a B plus minus to A minus pitching prospect and Bellinger struggles. That's a problem. Um, you know, I like some of the relievers, but other than Carlos Estevez, there's nobody else off the top of my head that really sticks out. It's a weird year because there's teams that are bad, but a lot of those bad teams also just don't have enough of uber enticing players for me to say, I want this guy on my team and he's really going to help me in a playoff March or even in the playoffs kind of thing. It's just, it's a weird year with the new playoff format. You know, there's all these new rules in general, I think have definitely altered the landscape of what the playoffs are going to look like more than just regular season games in general. No, I think you hit the point home there uh, with the latter. This deadline, I mean, it's still tough to see who's going to sell. I still think there's probably going to be between somewhere roughly between six to ten teams sell off this deadline, but we're still weeks away from the deadline, or two weeks about. But, yeah, no, uh, good points there on, on Belly. Uh, I'm definitely high on him, but yet again, this final couple of years in, in L.A. weren't pretty. But we, we will get to the best part now. Uh fan questions but first before we do that consider becoming a super subscriber super follower whatever you want to call it it is all access to everything fish on first it is just a base plan of three dollars a month you can always donate more if you're generous but it is again all access to fish on first everything you can do it on our website uh, you like probably tell you where to go but the perks include um, serious predictions you can make the predictions with us winner gets uh, a good prize last year Daniel got a Williams Estadio shirt. You can play fantasy sports with us. Romeo won our fantasy football league, and he's a super subscriber. We have our own super subscriber fantasy baseball league. Uh, we do giveaways. Uh, we just partnered with Marlon's story to give away uh, an antique, um, historic Marlon's like radio helmet. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't call it an antique. Uh, antique is the wrong word. It's it's just a. It's old. It's memorabilia. Yeah, it was a mini radio. It was a mini is a helmet shaped like it was a radio shaped like a helmet, a Florida Marlins helmet from about we think about 15 years ago. We got a lot of entries into that. But yeah, we picked somebody on Saturday for it. So yeah, people can just go directly to fishonfirst.com. There's a big letters about it right at the very top of the page that you just click become a super subscriber. And then it takes you to the sign-up place. That's correct. And then, again, base plan, $3 a month. You can always donate more if you would like. Uh, most of our super subscribers actually do pay more than $3 a month, so it's very generous. We appreciate it. And it pays for itself. I mean, we do ticket giveaways sometimes as well. Uh, it, it pays for itself. Again, it is $3 a month. It's the best deal out there. But the reason why we always pitch it here is because 
Uh, another perk is you get priority to speak in these spaces, and it will definitely come in handy next week when we have Craig on here. I was debating maybe making that super subscriber only um, for, for speaking, but we will discuss uh, as a staff throughout the week if that's the best option. We don't have any super subscribers requested right now, but we'll bring in uh, a, a frequent listener, Sharif, um, and, and get his question again. You guys can ask anything. Um, talking about Marlins, whether it be who's on the roster right now, trade deadline, even if you have a baseball question. We all we all are, are fans of the game, and uh, we'll, we'll answer any question that, that regards the sport or, or the team. So, Sharif, how are you, and uh, what is your question? Doing okay, thank you. Appreciate the invite, and once again, continued great job by you guys discovering the team in all aspects. Um, so, I had a question um, in terms of <clears throat> the cost of Cooper, because I think we had Cooper here for three three seasons or more now, and it seems like um, Jesus is the more athletic uh, one we can be more patient with. And I'm breaking this down because I'm seeing who's best to trade. So if I'm going to trade anyone, I'm probably going to trade Coop because I've seen three years of Coop. Coop. I think Coop was an alternate all-star, right, a year ago. And so his value may be at his highest now, and we can still give Jesus another year, maybe to show that he can be the left hand back that we want. Um, other than that, we can work with De La Cruz for another year. I think he's coming around. And um, for me, who, who I want, I want to solve the pitching and the hitting one time. Um, keep in mind, guys, we had one of the best hitters, uh, Ichiro, play for us. And uh, I, I, I know Kim Ang isn't Japanese. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I think she can get uh, a, a conversation with Shohei. And, and I mean to get him to sign. Um, and with that, I think you would have a lot of fan base in Japan. Um, you have a lot of fan base, a lot more come down to the games. And I think that would solve one of our starting pitches. Now, who would they want? I'm definitely putting Cooper in that deal. And I'm, I'm, I'm just probably going to ask you guys, like, you know, if you're going to sacrifice Yuri. I, I had uh, Emmett Olsen in there. Uh, I also had Cueto and Cooper to make up some of the money that he's probably going to be owed this year. And then, of course, if Kim Ang is going to sign him, then we can worry about signing Louis, Louis Arias and signing him next year. Uh, what, do you, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Well, I'll start with this. You can't trade any of the draft picks right now. It would have to be until after the World Series. So right there, the trade can't happen on your end. And... I don't think Miami will go after Shohei. It's impossible. You could look at the Dodgers, and they have multiple top 100 prospects, which they could easily offer. There are teams that have so much more than Miami that they could offer. And although the farm system is going to get depleted in some ways, it's still a strong farm system for other teams, despite trading a lot of guys. And I just don't see Miami going for Shohei. I'll keep it that simple. If anyone else has a Shohei question, I, I don't suggest you ask it. Right. It's not well, yeah, just to be clear, this is uh, it's understandable why you would want him for the Marlins. Every single team wants him because he's the best oh, yeah. player in the league right now. And he is a pending free agent this offseason. He's going to command the largest contract ever 
at least in terms of average annual value. I don't know how many years, but he's going to be, you know, many times beyond the Marlins price range where they have just absolutely no chance to compete financially with those other teams. As much as they do want to maximize the rest of the season, it's just the cost of trading just prospects to get him for these final couple months it's going to be, I don't even think it's attainable. I just don't think he's attainable. That's why we didn't bring him up before, uh, unfortunately, because there's going to be so much demand for him. Uh, you just bring up Cooper, um, and he's going to be an interesting player to evaluate after the season. He is, he is also a pending free agent as well, and he's played a lot better recently than he certainly did the first quarter of the season. This is a team that doesn't really have a very clear succession plan at first base after the season. But for the time being, they do have a nice thing going with him and Yuli. So I imagine that's going to stay the same. Uh, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world if they made some sort of deal uh, and get something in return for him before he's a free agent. But um, yeah, I, I, it's just it's really difficult to reconfigure that position any other way than they already have it right now. Those Those two have been a pretty good pairing. It would open up creative options if they had a single first baseman on the team and we're able to devote one of those valuable roster spots to a hitter at a different position. Uh, it's just the way that things have gone. The fact that Cooper has improved and the fact that Yuli has held up a lot better than most were expecting. Yeah. I think they're just going to ride it out at that position and then reevaluate in the off season. Thank you. And um, I've seen what uh, Sandy has been doing over the last uh, three starts. I think his two seamer has been a little harder touching a hundred and the four-seamer, he's trying to keep it low. But when you do that, it's just a golf swing. And then that becomes a batting practice home run. So um, we've seen it once again. And his two favorite pitchers, I mean, I, I don't know how much you know, how much more you're going to give the film to, to opposing hitters. Uh, and then, you know, you're still not using the curve. The slider is not bending. Um, so later in later in games, guys are just gonna time that up as we've seen, and I, I just think that it's yes, we love it touching a hundred on the gun because we know it goes right past the batters, and it, it it looks better, much better in the last three starts. But we've also seen uh, you can time that up and hit that to right field or hit it over the fence. So Sandy needs to uh, listen to us over here. <laughs> But thank you again, guys. I let someone else come in. Yes, thank you as always. Um, to super subscriber, friend of the site, very generous to our loud Marlins fan. Bring him in. We got him loading in right now. Oh, there we go. All right, LMS. What's up, man? Hey, we got. All right. Here's a question for the hosts. Um, I need one word answer from. Each of you. So here it is. Okay. With the emergence of Dane Myers, which current Marlins MLB outfielder gets paired with Avisayo Garcia and a minor league prospect to bring us the player needed to push us over the Mendoza line? Over the Mendoza line? That's a 215 hitter. You mean uh, over, over the line to be a guaranteed playoff team? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you could package a Peyton Burdick. I think the organization has given him, like, an unfair sh- 
um, chance. He hasn't really gotten enough extended time. I think, you know, I don't think most fans would lose enough sleep losing a guy like that. I think, you know, maybe that's a name you could part with if you want to get rid of Avi. Um, other than that, you know, maybe you know, there's no one off the top of my head that overwhelms me. Mine is, uh, gosh, Chase, mine, mine would be Urar and Carnacion, maybe. Um, still has a, a very good, very, very good uh, power case to him, um, you know, and uh, doesn't belong in AAA much longer. So uh, I would say Urar and Carnacion. I wouldn't say anybody from the big league team um, that would be, you know, anybody would be interested in. Uh, you're not going to trade De La Cruz. Um, I don't think they're going to trade Jesus Sanchez just yet because he's continuing to show that he can have spurts of pretty good hit, uh, pretty good, uh, pretty good play overall. Um, so I don't think they're going to trade anybody from the big league team. So yeah, I would agree with, with Lewis. Um, it would either be Burdick or Encarnacion, uh, would be the two guys that I would point to that teams would be interested in my opinion. Perfect. Anyone else? I'm on the same page in terms of Burdick. I think if they, they're at a point where he might not have any value whatsoever by the end of the season. He's already what, 26 years old. And the reason why he hasn't even come up again, despite the injuries to Davis and to jazz is because he continues to just strike out so much against triple a pitching that it's just really hard to trust it to work at the big league level, even over a small sample with him. So he was for a, a period of time, he was one of their more highly regarded hitting prospects um, but it, this has been a really disappointing year for him. And he, uh, yeah, he is kind of stuck at the moment. So he, he'd be somebody that I, I can see them shedding from the 40 man roster if they could get anything in return on a different side. But, you know, I, I fear that his value has already gone down quite a bit this year, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, he had that, that foot injury in spring training. It was like a toe injury or something. You guys would know better than me. Isaac and Kevin probably know better, but I know he had a foot injury in spring training, which cost him some time, but he's pretty much been healthy since then. Um, just hasn't diminished the strikeout rate. And, you know, he still has the power, of course, and he's a very, very physical guy. What I will also say is um, they said no to trading for Wilson Contreras because of Peyton Burdick. So maybe he still has some kind of, kind of, trade stock to him that was like two years ago but he saw some kind of trade stock to him that you could get some value out of and they just drafted a guy who reminds me a lot of Peyton Burdick who is slightly bigger than Peyton Burdick in the build but reminds me a lot of him in terms of how he handles himself offensively and on defense as well and can apparently pay catcher and that's Camp Alderman so I would say Burdick is is definitely expendable at this point which sucks to say because I really like that guy and still do like that guy uh, so him and Encarnacion are the two guys that you would look at uh, LMF for the for those kind of guys Perfect. Thank you, guys. And as always, anyone listening, go become a super subscriber. Have a good night. Amen to that. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate what has happened there with, with, uh, with Burdick. We will get Rise Joyer in here. He's been requested for a minute. We'll bring him in. No more super subscribers requested. And if any of you guys are out there, no Romeo tonight, which is weird. No Ryan either. But, uh, all right, Rise Joyer, how are you tonight? What's your question? I'm good. How are you guys? So I don't think anyone talked about this potential trade target. I was looking at Kansas City's uh, reliever, Scott Barlow. So I don't know if anyone wants to chime in and talk about Scott Barlow, but I was thinking, give it a shot, right? I've got him in my article. I'll let someone else talk about him, but I do have him as a realistic option for sure. Yep. 
Yep, he is absolutely on my radar as well. This year, a little, not quite as effective as he was the previous two years. The underlying stuff still looks pretty good. He still gets a lot of strikeouts. He still is especially good against right-handed batters in particular. I think he easily makes the bullpen better. He's also controllable beyond this year. Uh, The question being whether the Marlins are comfortable with the salary portion of it. I think he's earning $5.3 million this year. And now that he's closing games, he's continuing to close games with the Royals. He that price is going to go up even more so next year in his last year of control. He's going to be like an eight million dollar guy um, at the very least if he stays healthy down the stretch. The arbitration. This is a team that just doesn't pay that much for relievers. When Matt Barnes was due that salary this year, they made the Red Sox cover a lot of his cost for this season. And outside of that, there's not been a single reliever outside of the you know the the end of Wei Yin Chen, if you want to count that, they, they simply don't pay individual relievers that kind of money. Um, so I'll be curious to see uh, exactly how that influences his trade value. Uh, but all things considered, I, I think he is somebody that would be attainable um, without giving up any of your truly top-tier prospects, but it still costs a significant amount. This is a guy with a pretty decent track record that is still seemingly right around the prime of his career. So I think there's going to be a lot of interest in him. It's going to be competitive, but yeah, I, I think you could be, that's a fit that seems plausible. And uh, I think I'd be pretty excited for it. Any other questions, sir? It's a very good option. I'm very, very attracted to the thought of Scott Barlow and this Marlins pet. It's, it's a great option. No, I had no other other questions. Thank you guys for having me up. Yeah, absolutely, man. A- anytime in these spaces, we, we do this every week. Um, from Bryant is, uh, is requested to start to speak more frequently, and these will bring him in. Anyone else who wants to request, we're starting to run a little low on requests here. Anyone who wants to, uh, we, we will let them in. Any questions about the Marlins, as long as you appear to be a Marlins fan. Uh, we've had some problems with that in the past, but Brian, how are we doing tonight, and what's your question? Hey guys, doing good. Thanks again for having me on. Um, honestly, I, I think that it's really time to start considering uh, going to the catcher position. I think it's time for us to start considering seriously on Austin Allen. Um, the guy has 19 home runs. Nick Fortes, honestly, has been a huge disappointment. Um, do you guys, you know, have any thoughts on that? Is this something you guys would consider? Uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts on it? This is a Carver. I was waiting for him. I was going to let Kevin go ahead on this. You got to defend me, fish on the farm. I was going to let Kevin go on this one. Kevin, you don't have anything on Allen? Uh, yeah, I, I, I like the. I really like Austin. He's had a good year. He's relied a lot on the power. I will say. I think he's putting up the most. Not nah, a lot. He's not. All right, he's putting up 19 homers, 48 RBIs. Uh, He's also striking out at a 19% rate. I think this is like one of the lowest, lower marks of his career, which is impressive. And he's also walking at a 10% rate, which is very nice to see. So, you know, despite him relying a lot on power, he's also walking. And aside from that, he's, he's you know, he's getting on base at a decent rate. Uh, 116 WRC plus. I definitely think they should give him a chance. Uh, obviously, he's hitting better than both Fortes and, and Stallings. So I think it's, you know, not hard to say, you know, let's, let's give Austin Allen a couple shots back there and, if he works well with some of the guys in the rotation, why not? I, I, I really like Austin Allen. I've, I've told the guys many times that 
why not give him a chance? And the other one is Banfield, and I know I'm going to get a lot of backlash on that one, but when you look at what Banfield's doing, he's probably the best defensive catch in the organization, and he's putting up a very good offensive season, very consistent offensively too. So you got to give one of the two a chance, Alex, and if, if you're not going to go out there and trade for a catcher. So I would agree, but I have a clarifying question. Maybe Eli can answer this or, or anybody else that's in here that has knowledge of this. This guy has major league experience. He he, he played with Oakland, I believe. Um, yeah. you know? And I don't think he has minor league options. So if you call him up and put him on the 40-man roster, he would have to pass through waivers, I believe. Yeah. You're correct. You're correct. Right. No option. minor league options. Yeah, no yeah he league does options. not have minor league options. Eli, am I right on this? Like, you, you would, if you call him up, you would have to DFM. Yes, yeah. yes. Isn't that situation? Wouldn't you guys wink at this point, though? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I, and yes, honestly, he, the guy's 29 years old. What else? What else did he, does he have to do in minor league baseball when he's hitting 19 home runs in one half? So you're right. Um, it's a big dude, a really big dude. Um, from what I hear from minor league players, they really like throwing to him because it's such a large target. So why why not take the chance? And then if, if he fails, it's a 29-year-old player, he probably would pass through waivers, probably. Um, there's, I mean, if they don't get a catcher at the deadline like we were just talking about, Brian, um, it's definitely a guy that I could see coming up. And even if they do get a catcher, it's definitely a guy I could see coming up and contributing in some way, um, you know, catcher, DH, whatever it is. Um, this guy's hitting to all fields. He's going oppo. He's a big, strong dude. Um, yeah, I agree, man. I, 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 this was a guy I definitely want to see get a chance. Um, and if you have to DFA him, you have to DFA him. And it is what it is. They got the guy for, for not much, I think, as a, as a free agent. So, uh, um, minor, yeah. minor league deal. Yeah. yeah, they got him on a minor league deal. So, as a free agent, so why not? Like, there, there's not a lot invested. He's performing. He's 29. Call him up. I, I 100% agree that this is a guy that, um, that could have a path to, um, to the Marlins, not his major league debut, but to his Marlins debut um, here in the second half. I agree with you. Appreciate it. Yeah, and one last thing I was going to say, um, you know, because obviously the catcher market, like we, you guys discussed earlier in the space, it's, it's not really good. So that's what I think when it comes to catcher. I don't think anyone is worth trading for. And then, I mean, obviously starting pitching is something we need to go outside the organization with. I mean, just, you know, Devin Smelter, I don't think we could ever rely on him again. Um, Dan Costano, it looks like they're taking it pretty easy on him. I think on Friday he only pitched like one inning. So I, I could see maybe Dan Costano. I don't know how much more faith they're putting on him. And then another guy we've seen in the past that I could never see him coming back again this year is like Chichi Gonzalez. So like starting pitching is really, really thin. So definitely, uh, you know, someone outside of the Mars definitely have to come in. That's all I got. I appreciate y'all. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for coming in and asking a, a question. Uh, we will go Alice Contreras now. I guess we'll go kind of final call here. Any other uh, people out there with a question, uh, go ahead and request. We're out of requests right now. Um, yeah, the shorter space I plan for next week, I'm sure, will be long with, with Craig. I've got Alex loading in right now. Again, any final people who want to come speak, go ahead and do it. Uh, so yeah, next week's space probably be the same time, uh, seven o'clock start. We will, we're expecting to have Greg Mish with us and, um, probably won't do that much of a, of a recap. I would imagine, I feel like everyone's going to be here to do one thing, one thing only, and that will be, uh, be ask about what the deadline could look like. And a lot could happen between now and next week, got a whole week of baseball left. Someone has a bad week. Um, uh, things could get dicey. Um, 
It looks like Alex couldn't load in. Um, any other final thoughts from you guys? Um, we'll try. I'll send Alex one more invite if he wants to come in. And, uh, if he can't, then uh, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll end it here. He, he, that question from Brian really did make me think over the, what to do on the catching front because this is the window is really tiny in terms of trying to figure out what you have in Austin Allen. Um, and also still leaving open the possibility of making a trade for a catcher if the opportunity presents itself that you're comfortable with. Um, the way that it would work is you bring up Allen. Just to be clear, they're not cutting Stallings at this point. Right now, this is all on Fortes. If they brought up Allen, they would be sending down Fortes. And it's not the craziest idea. You know, if there is something he could work on at in a AAA setting for a short period of time that maybe gets him right at the plate. Um, this is not the strangest thing to do um, just because, yeah, we're now kind of in this pretty big sample of him just being an awful hitter as surprising as that is. And he had a really frustrating game, especially was it, it might've been last night. The one where he even hit uh, a couple grounders that he was so close to beating out and it, and Gunnar Henderson made a couple great defensive plays to get him both times where even if his legs aren't getting him any hits, that's when he's just a really limited player overall on that side of the ball. So so it's not the wildest thing. There's really nothing more that Austin Allen can do um, to try to earn himself another opportunity. He has failed in the big leagues before. um, So I understand the pessimism around it. And that's kind of what has colored my thinking on him is that he's a quad a type that is probably not going to succeed, but he has performed, I think, better than what anybody could have reasonably hoped for at AAA. He has been, he's been a really good player down there on both sides of the ball. And for in the way that Fortes has played, being kind of more disappointing than anybody reasonably feared that he would be, um, this is really the window that they would do it if they were going to do it. And I don't think they are. I, I think ultimately they still put so much stock in the way that Fortes has handled the pitchers that he's worked with, the way that he has handled Lazardo and Braxton Garrett, and both of those guys working exclusively with them this season, they, and they don't want to jeopardize that. This this season would be in a much different place if Lazardo and Braxton weren't having the seasons that they're having. So much of that is with Fortes working with them closely. So I, I think it's super unlikely to happen, which is why I really haven't spent much time thinking about it. But it, it's really not the wildest idea. Just unfortunate, unfortunately, Fortes has even made it a thought in my mind just because of how little he has offered offensively. Yeah, it's funny that you mention it. Um, I mean, the, 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 the things that Allen, in my view, watching him play, the things that Allen can provide a bit better is receivability. Um, that's that's one of his things is, is receivability um, that he could provide a little bit better um, to the Jacksonville staff. Um, but then again, they've also dealt with some, no offense to these guys, of course, they've also dealt with some uh, lower tier pitching. Um, so I think if you got Allen with some, some higher quality pitchers like Major League Pitching uh, and guys that are on the Major League staff, of course, it's probably not going to be Sandy because Stallings is with him. But if you got if you got Allen with, with, with higher quality pitching, uh, and he's got some some decent um, rehab starts as well, is what I will say for him. Um, but yeah, if you got him with some higher quality pitching, I think you would see the receivability kind of come up, obviously, just because of the kind of guys that he's handling. Um, but yeah, no, th- this guy offensively, like, there's there's a clear, I think there's, there is a clear improvement to make offensively because of how bad 
both Fortes and Stallings have been, um, which is unfortunate to say because Fortes is a guy who, who did not hit before double A, and then he got to double A, and things kind of took off for him. But now he's kind of falling back uh, to what his floor was, uh, and this is as a major league player. So um, I think Allen would be fine as a receiver, um, but how willing are the Marlins to move off of Fortes because of what Eli said, how much he's already shown so far as a receiver, and I think there would be a little bit of a downfall to Allen from Fortes in terms of receiving. I think offense would come up um, unless he is completely a quad A player like Eli said. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's how much of a risk are they willing to take to get Fortes the time he may need in the minors and then go to Allen, who is not a sure thing. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's a little bit of uncertainty in that situation and in that equation, but it's a fun, it's a, it's a fun topic to discuss. So a good, interesting note to end off on any final thoughts before we depart from anyone else. Kevin got anything? No, just stay tuned. Should be a fun week ahead and very telling. Yep, oh, yeah. another live stream tomorrow. It's a weird start time, six thirty for our stream because the game is at seven forty-five in St. Louis. Tune into that. You can watch that on Twitter or YouTube or Twitch that we're doing there. And uh, yeah, outside from that, things are uh, just chugging along here. We appreciate everybody's support of what we do here at Fish on First. That being said, you guys enjoy your week. Uh, Cardinals and, and Rockies this week. Um, opportunity for another winning week for the Marlins next week, seven o'clock. We will have Craig Miss here. We expect um, to talk some trade deadline. So stay tuned and uh, enjoy your night, everyone.